Welcome back to the Talking Leadership Podcast Series. Thank you for joining me again. My guest today brings significant experience in the leadership space as the founder of Lunchfox. Can I welcome to the podcast, Louise Fisher? How are you, mate? Hello, I'm so well. How are you? Let's start at the beginnings with this. So your leadership and its beginnings, where did the 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 push to be a founder to be a leader where did that come from mate yeah like look it's been it's been a real journey for me and you're right in saying that I find myself now as the founder of a, a tech startup but my kind of my beginning into leadership if you like was back in London as a teacher so I I got my first leadership gig if you like just um, my second year of teaching so I was very young and it was very early on in my career and I was given the chance to lead. <laughs> very randomly, Eric, design and technology within the school. So they they gave me the role of um, raising standards and it was an area that the teachers didn't feel confident with. So that was my role was to go out, research it, learn it myself, bring it back to the teachers, to the staff. To be honest, it was a great way for me to start because I was working and leading teachers that were older than me, more experienced than I was. And it was a bit daunting as someone who, like I say, had only been teaching for a year or so. But what it did was it allowed me to really embrace who I am as a leader. Because I was young, I didn't know any any other way. I hadn't really researched leadership or the kind of leader I wanted to be. So I was going in with absolutely no other inhibitions, if you like. And what I found was maybe because it was such a kind of hands-on practical um, topic anyway, but everything we did was so collaborative and it was fun and we were getting the teachers up and learning and exploring. And we saw really great results. We got some really good feedback. The teachers were motivated. I was motivated. And it just kind of taught me that if you can find a fun way to deliver what any message it is, a collaborative way, getting your team all working off the same song sheet, you can kind of achieve anything. And I've really held on to that. That random little first role of leadership that I had has really kind of, yeah, shaped shaped my leadership. And so from there on, because of the success of that, I was then charged with, um, I was given the role of leading the, the entire early years curriculum. I moved on to assistant head of year and then most recently a director of a kindergarten. We moved overseas and, and all that kind of thing. And so I, I really I feel like I got the leadership bug. I really loved it. And then, yeah, we we had an idea for, for Lunch Fox, which I think we'll talk more about later. But um, I decided to jump ship and leave teaching and go into the tech um, startup world following this idea. And um, yeah, an, an awful lot of transferable skills. But yes, I think that that very first introduction into leadership has, has really, really shaped the way that I approach it now. Thank you for sharing that pathway, one thing that, well, not one thing, a couple of things that come to mind here that you went into this potentially not caring so much about what your leadership role was because you had no reference point beforehand and it wasn't something necessarily that you were chasing. And I guess you use the term or or the phrase, once the bug bit you, that you you were hooked. When did you realize that, that the leadership process being a leader mattered to you? Was that when first initial role was thrust upon you or did that come a little bit later? Like when did the light bulb moment go off is I think what I'm trying to ask you. Yeah, I can absolutely pinpoint the the time in my career that that happened. So we'd left England and we'd moved to Singapore and I was teaching in a large international school over there. And I'd taken on just a kind of a contracting, I was covering maternity leave and my contract was for, I think, six to eight months or so. And so I'd kind of gone in, I I didn't really know the team and I I felt that I was only going to be there for a short amount of time. And a role came up for assistant head of year and 
oh, I was itching to get that role. <laughs> I was desperate for it. And, and I was kind of quite happy with doing the contract role. Um, I thought that I was anyway. And I didn't put my hand forward because I felt as though maybe it wasn't right for me as someone that was just stepping in to cover a maternity leave. And no one else applied for it. And no one else wanted it. And um, it just felt as though it was there for the taking. And so I applied and, and I got it. And that then led me to taking on a full-time role at this school. And I just absolutely loved it and I, I think it was yeah it, it that really highlighted to me that kind of need that I had to apply for that role I really really wanted it and then um, yes I think that's when I realized that I was kind of always chasing down roles of responsibility and leadership roles yeah that is typical of what I'm hearing from leaders that once you're there and you're, you're chasing that responsibility but what I'll ask you next and I think this is a nice uh, lead into the next question about how you define leadership. So responsibility seems to be something that you were that you were chasing. But if I asked you to define what leadership meant for you, what would that look like, Louise? Yeah, I mean, for me, leadership is actually all about the people that you're leading. I feel as though it's less about the person, the leader themselves, and it's more about the team of people. So for me, I define leadership as someone's ability to create a shared vision and, and bring a team of people along with you for the ride. So regardless of what your goal or your deadline is, it's how you're making people feel. You know, I've, I've worked under so many different leaders myself. The ones that are most successful, in my opinion, are the ones that have that growth mindset, an open mindset. They, they draw inspiration from their team. They sit down they say, you know, we've got a problem, let's figure this out together. And they're the ones, there's never any question that they're the leader. They're the ones who have their vision and they're a set goal, but they're wrapping their arms around the team and they're saying, let's get there together. The ones who I have worked for who I would say are least successful are the ones who are just in there on their own, directing you, you know, telling you what they need you to do and you have very little input. So yeah, for me, I would say leadership is is more about how the people that work for you feel. Towards the end of that definition, that sounds more like a, a manager, you know, the command mm. and control and yeah. it's my way or no other way and I'm not seeking input from anyone else. That, that very much seems to be a managerial function rather than a, a leadership one. So okay, that, that makes a lot of sense. When we agreed to have this conversation, the one one of the things that stood out, I think, is that that the transferability of of skills in the different sectors that you've worked in. So let's talk about that if we can. So leadership and transferable skills. What did you think? What what do you think those were for you? Yeah, an awful lot of transferable skills, definitely. And I think having worked in two completely different sectors, it has highlighted that there's a lot of skills, maybe a lot of qualities that you need regardless of the industry that you're in. But I, I do think you have to be adaptable. And that's something that I'm really finding. Um, you know, you, you have to stay true to your own individual style, which I think is something that's very hard to change or control anyway. I've I started my career as a teacher. So, you know, that's, if you think about it, we're all doing the same role. We're all teachers. It will take us all a similar length of time to do something, to achieve something. Whereas now I'm in the tech industry, my team all have different roles. I'm working with graphic designers and business managers and front-end developers and back-end developers. Everyone has a very different song sheet that they're working off. And so, whereas before when I was a teacher, it was a very kind of linear process to, to lead people. Our success criteria all looked the same. Our barriers to, to learning were, were all the same. This time around, 
you're juggling a lot more balls you know we're having to figure out if we're working towards a release date you need to be aware of how the people in your team work how they need to work and how long it's going to take them to work you know our graphic designer will mock up new designs and then how long is it going to take the ux guy to kind of implement that and what are the effects of the back end changes and you have to <laughs> manage to kind of pull all that together for a release date you know you, you bring all these transferable skills with you that the vision the empathy the the leadership and all that kind of thing and that's all great and very important but i think unless you have a, a real understanding of what your team are actually doing on a day-to-day basis that the, the transferable skills are almost a little bit less important um you, you need that understanding i think to be a to be a decent leader do you see yourself as an entrepreneur a leader or some amalgam of the two it's that's such an interesting question i feel as though it's only recently that i've started thinking maybe i am an entrepreneur i don't know that's kind of held a bit of a it's been a bit of a sticking point for me really i've done pre-accelerator courses and various things of networking and i don't know why i've always had an issue with calling myself an entrepreneur and i don't know whether that's because i'm not coming from a business background I've, i've that's never been something that i've considered i personally feel like a founder like i'm i'm the one who's come up with the idea I've built the team. I'm out there marketing the idea and networking it. But it is, you know, I, I feel as though maybe I'm starting to learn entrepreneurship skills, if that makes sense. But no, I, I think at the moment I feel more comfortable calling myself a founder and a leader. Maybe ask me again in 10 years. I'm not hung up on labels. It's just that's an, an easy way for me to um, compartmentalize leaders versus entrepreneurs versus staff, the led your team, your, your people are human beings that you're working with. And where this is of interest to, to me, and I think you've, you've addressed it exceptionally well, is it's never a black and white thing when you start thinking about yourself. Are, are you leading a, a group of teams, achieving your goals and making the business successful? Or do you see yourself as a entrepreneur that's potentially addressing a gap in a market and that you founded your business to address that particular gap or need? Let me ask as a founder, do you have a CEO in the business or do you do both? Um, we do. We have. It's very, very interesting that you bring this up. It's something that the team, we, we talk about quite a lot. And because we are a startup, we've come from nothing. We've, we've got our team. It's something that every now and then we say, what, what are all of our job titles? Like, do, do we have... Um, a CEO yet and do we have a CIO and I think at the moment it's probably a little bit more fluid than that like I was saying we have our graphic designer who you know has said well maybe I would be the kind of the chief design officer that would probably be my title we have someone who manages our business and the scale planning and investment planning side of things he would probably be our CEO but it's we're so early on in this I mean we've been going at it for a couple of years but I feel as though we're a little bit too early on to actually give ourselves those labels yet if that makes sense and and i can understand on behalf of your your staff i'm I'm thinking out loud here that Mm. one thing that that people need in their cvs is a title in a role because when you're going for the next role it's difficult to write down was in an awesome startup but don't know what my position was but here's the things that i did and so that what's in the name does matter in some circumstances because if you say well I, i love to teach 
I'm a teacher, but you have no teaching degree, then you're really not technically considered and would never get a job in the school system because you don't have that qualification. Yeah. But yeah, look, we could go down a rabbit hole here. <laughs> the only reason I asked about uh, the distinction there is that I'm finding more and more as I'm, I'm talking to my guests that sometimes it, it sounds like you're, they're talking like a, a an entrepreneur slash founder to potentially a leader, to a coach and potentially mentor, maybe all those things. And maybe it's not necessarily one to the exclusion of the other. Is you, you fill a role as a situation builds itself. And I, I say this with all due respect, I don't know the world of startups and maybe what you're going through is very typical of a startup in the startup world. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, absolutely right. And like, you know, we've what we have found is that when we've had, you know, decisions to be made and, and not necessarily issues that have popped up, but we have, I think sometimes the job titles then we've kind of said to, look, you're taking on more of a CIO role and you're taking on more of a CTO role and that it's kind of helped with certain decisions and how we want to tackle certain things. Um, So although we haven't kind of formalized it in that sense, we, I would say we definitely all know what our kind of role in inverted commas is. um, And that's where it's been useful for us. Yeah, and you can't you can't ask for more than that. So we've gotten to a good point in the podcast where I can ask the next question, and you've given some hints as to what these might be. But leader capabilities. Now, I ask this particular area because my area of interest is leader capabilities. I'm I'm building my own understanding and in my own mind uh, from a research perspective as to why understanding capabilities for me is more foundational than any particular leadership style because styles can change varying depending on the situation that you're facing. We've just had that discussion in a very macro sense, but it can happen at an operational level as well. And so I find this bit of the conversation extremely interesting because there's never, I'm not finding a a uniquely common set of responses here to the degree that you know, uh, capability X, Y, and Z are the only capabilities that are out there because we could argue about what your list versus my list is. What do you see as key or critical leader capabilities? Yeah, I I think for me, absolutely, the, the most important thing has to be being a visionary. You need vision. And I absolutely, you know, it's something that I really holding great value you know you need to know what it is you want you yourself and your team to achieve you need to know the what and you need to know the why and it's only then that you can kind of go back and start planning the how and the who you know I think being a visionary as a leader is just absolutely vital you need to always have your your eye on that on that end result and then I think this will come to no no surprise to you based on what I've already spoken about but being a collaborator And it does go back to what I said before about the bringing the whole team along on the ride with you. You know, you you, you need the vision. You need to be the one who has their eyes set on the goal. But you also need to be willing to throw your arms around the team, be an affiliator, pull in viewpoints. How do you think? We can do this. And, you know, as the leader, you are well within your rights to say, oh, I'm not so sure about that. Maybe let's cut, you know, that kind of thing. But you need to have those discussions. And I think you need to be bringing your team team in for the ride. One final thing that I, and obviously I could probably list (laughs) many more um, capabilities than this, but one final thing I do really want to highlight as something that I think maybe people are starting to hold in higher regard these days is empathy. I think having empathy as a leader is absolutely vital. 
And there's a lot of great leaders these days who are showing that, you know, and I think we're starting to change our perspective of what a leader, and like you were saying earlier, Eric, is there a difference between a leader and a manager? I think sometimes you have these kind of, um, these unfair views in your mind of what it means, you know, your directive, finger pointing, do as I say kind of thing. I think that's becoming a bit old fashioned now. <laughs> and then um, I really feel that if you are a leader who has empathy, you're only ever going to have a team of people who love working for you that seems to come up as a a, as a key leadership essential for me my where i would diverge a little bit and this is just my view that empathy as a leader capability i don't look at it necessarily as a capability i think that that's part of your individual human makeup and if you're not an empathetic person then i I don't know if there's any training that can make you more empathetic Whereas whereas with the leader capability to me, um, and you talked about vision, I would use the term foresight, but I think we're in that same realm that potentially there are training courses and experiences and mentoring and coaching that you could be a part of that helps you build your capacity to envision possible futures. Whereas Mm -hmm. with empathy, I've, I've met some of the most empathetic people on the planet. You know, I've met some leaders that, that I've worked for that. It's a secondary characteristic. They, they show and demonstrate empathy to their family, but when they're at work, it's all about the business and mm. that kind of gets parked to one side. But again, this is the fascinating bit about talking about this is that empathy comes up quite a bit. And my challenge to those that might be listening is I, I think it's critical for human beings to be empathetic yeah. and to be good human beings. But to say that it's a, a leader capability, yeah, I, I would have the debate. And I think there's a there's a wonderful vista there to have that. I think what, what I'm hearing as um, traits of an individual, yeah, empathy needs to be a critical one. And if you can't, put yourself in the shoes of others then if you've got all the other skills to be a leader you'll be a a kind of leader it just will be the kind that people don't have a lot of love for and you know it that comes with a whole nother set of issues but yeah that that's a wonderful list and and to me everything you said and that 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 list is what entrepreneurs would say that that I've heard before and and but I think all of those two transfer to any leadership role as well so this is where this gets tricky again What's in a name? Louise, the nature versus nurture question. So do you believe leaders are born or they're made? Yeah, look, I I don't know if this is going to be a cop-out answer here, but I, I honestly think it's a bit of both because, you know, when I when I look back on myself as a child, I would never say that I was a natural-born leader. Absolutely, you know, as a child, I was someone who was very happy being a follower. I was probably a little bit shy. I wouldn't have called myself a go-getter. But as I've explained, like my career very quickly led me down that leadership path. And so I think similar to what you've just said there, Eric, like I was born, the the nature side for me has been those kind of more caring, empathetic qualities that I display. But what nurture has done is it's kind of kind of taught me to have confidence in that and to empower that and you know like I've as time has gone on you know you obviously I think this is another good thing for any leader to have is constant feedback from their team you you need to know how you're going I always get very good feedback from my teams people like working with me and and working for me so you know that the nature side of that you know temperament you can't change temperament we're all born with a temperament and there have been studies into this which I know from my teaching days you're born with a temperament that lasts for life. What you do is you kind of find ways of managing that. So if you're born as a naturally shy person, you just learn skills for when you're in the workplace or when you're socializing to appear more confident. 
you can't really get rid of that temperament. But what you can do as a leader is learn to embrace that and, and be confident about that. And, you know, the, the feedback from others validates that. So, yes, it's probably a bit of a cop out answer, but I think I think it's both nature and nurture. For me, I think it, it necessarily has to be a mix of the two. I, I, I don't subscribe to being born under that old, you know, the, the, the great man theory of leadership where someone is just born to be a leader and mm. there's no other discussion. They're just born leaders. I, I don't agree with that, but I also think that your environment and the people that are nurturing you on the come up is very important and can give you some critical insight into what being um, – being in leadership roles looks like. Um, interestingly, a lot of the podcast discussions have brought up the notion of participating in sports and leading in that sports arena, that that triggers some leadership uh, skills or being mm. um, very involved in your school life. And you said that that temperament, if you want to help people to do something, that will translate whether it's sport or whether it's a, mm. in the school environment. You've met those kids. I've met those kids. You've taught them. I've not understood them when I was younger and thought <laughs> they were they were not normal, I guess, when I was younger. Like, why would you want to take on extra responsibilities? But I guess you learn some stuff as, as you go along. And, yeah, I, I think, too, also that you can create and develop people into being exceptionally good leaders. And I've, I've seen that in my own travels. I've mm. spoken to people that way. I'm speaking to someone now who's gone through that mm. journey in yourself. So it, you can teach, I guess you can teach anyone anything. I guess it's about where you hit your natural limits limits to your capabilities. And then the trick then is, well, if I can't do more in a certain area, do I buy that skill in if you're leading mm. a business? If you know, yeah. um, <clears throat> I've got... A million ideas of what good graphic design might be, but I couldn't do anything in that space to save myself. You you get that talent in, you nurture that talent, or you buy that talent in, like a lot of people will will be um able to do, or maybe not so able to do, depending on the type of business, I guess. But yeah, no, I agree, and it's not a cop out. I mean, I, I, rarely do I hear somebody say it's all nurture or it's all nature I, I i think the extremes are extremes for a reason i guess the the polar opposites um okay so last last area to talk about here if we could louise looking back on your leadership pathway so if you could go back to a younger version of yourself and say and talk to yourself about the leadership process what would you say about being a more effective leader i think for me the, I mean, my pathway in leadership has just been so varied and so unexpected. Um, and, you know, I, I'm constantly learning from this journey. I think looking back, if I could give myself one, you know, piece of advice or, or you know, explain something to myself, it would be just to have, you know, faith in what feels right and what feels natural. And, you know, you can say that with anything like, um, you know, you were saying to me earlier, Eric, that you're a parent. I'm a parent as well. If you can just go in and have courage in your convictions and just do what feels right for you, regardless of what you read in articles that should be right or should be wrong on that journey. Do what feels right. And for me, that has been a huge part of my leadership is just gaining that kind of confidence in my abilities. And, and you know, as you probably picking up from this, it's I, I do enjoy that kind of collaborative side of things. And I always worry whether I'm harsh enough isn't the right word for this. But, you know, if you're am, am I directive enough or am I kind of if especially when I was teaching, if there were issues and things that you had to raise with a member of staff I would hate those situations and avoid them like the plague do I need to work on those kind of areas and and I think it goes back to what you were just saying there actually is you can always train for those things you know and 
goes back to the feedback as well. You need that feedback. You need to reflect on yourself, know what you're not so good at, go out and train for it, you know, learn more about that side of things. But but also just understand that your unique way of doing it is also absolutely fine and justified. Yeah, agreed. Um, and you've mentioned it a few times, that that idea of being a, a reflective leader practitioner, that that to me is something that is um, becoming more, more and more of an area of interest to, him, to me in, in that leadership process is that I would I would probably put money on this that if if you had a room full of leaders and, and you could you could talk to them about their their leadership pathway that if you said in looking back and being reflective or more to the point are you reflective in your process as a leader that would bring up all sorts of issues around yeah well sometimes I think about the decisions I've made or something that's gone wrong and sometimes I don't I think the ones that the, those human beings that you meet in your lifetime that are good at what they do as leaders are reflective, but they also add feedback to that reflective process. So not only do yeah. they think about, hey, what what went well, what didn't go so well, that's an easy set of questions to ask because no one's going to know you're asking them. But if you actively go out and get mm-hmm. some feedback external to you, you take a risk in doing that. And I think there's there's a lot of bravery required to say, need some feedback that's not coming from me how did yeah. this go and i think you learn from that and all right it's a it, you're taking a risk but I'm, I'm i would hope that you could manage the process in this is in a leadership role mm. that the people giving you that feedback is constructive and can build on your practice and yeah. some people are very good at that and some people are very destructive in the way that they give feedback because it's about getting one up on you saying, mm. no, you stuffed it and there's nothing to, to, to see here. I think where, where people make mistakes and potentially bad judgment calls is where you can learn the most. And yeah. uh, if any, if I've learned anything um, in my almost 50 years on this planet is that you look at people and I think the leaders that were the, the most terrible in my mind are the ones I learned the most from. And to the point that this is what not to do, but this is, yes. these are, these are the reasons why it's Absolutely. not just, Hey, I don't, don't love that practice, but this is how that made me feel potentially in the role. And, and, and look, very much understand feelings are subjective, but I think if you get treated like crap by someone, that person's probably treating other people like crap. And if you've got uh, you know, a group of those people together, they would say, hey, not feeling it here or um, I'm being made to feel a certain way or, or uncertain in my own capability. So yeah, very much agree that the self-reflective stuff. And one thing I would add there in the tech space that you talked about is being able to deal with ambiguity, a tolerance for ambiguity and an ability to deal with complex problems, I think are, are other, other sets of capabilities in my mind that are coming more to the fore and I guess if you've worked through COVID as a teacher you'll understand exactly what what I'm talking about okay (laughs) sure Uh, Louise look this has been an amazing conversation and again thank you for your time today so before we go can you give us a bit of a sense of what you do in your day-to-day at uh, Lunchbox please Yep. So we have, we've developed an app for parents to order healthy school lunches from local cafes um, and have them delivered straight up to school. So we kind of um, spotted a big gap in the market when my eldest was about to start school. You know, food delivery is such a big part of our lives and, and healthy food as well. You know, I don't know if I'm allowed to mention other names of companies, but things like light and easy, that kind of thing is, is kind of changing the way that we eat and our lifestyle. So it was interesting to us that there was nothing really available for children 
parents absolutely hate making school lunches. Um, it's something that's much more difficult than it sounds. So yes, we've developed an app. We've liaised with Nutrition Australia in the very early days. We wanted a big focus on kind of well-balanced food. It's a great thing for local cafe owners who have just gone through the most disruptive period in history. You know, it's a, a reliable, steady brand new revenue stream for them so it's yeah we're slowly starting to gain a bit of momentum and um, we're up in new south wales and just about to come down in victoria as well so um yeah that's what we're working on and we can we can feel it bubbling under the surface that it could you know this could be something really huge and it's got a huge economy boosting potential as well at the moment so it's yeah we're absolutely we're loving it it's we're something we're very proud of I thank you for that. And Louise, with your okay, I'll put your contact details in the podcast description as well as your LinkedIn profile so people can get in touch with you if they want to learn more about what you do at LunchFox. So thank you for your time, mate. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking to you. Cheers. So for those listening, this has been the Talking Leadership Podcast. Thank you for joining me again. I've been speaking to Louise Fisher, the founder of LunchFox. Thanks, everyone, and we'll catch you all on the next podcast.